what would heaven on earth be like for you? And I'm not asking for your favorite vacation spot or the best dessert you've ever had. I am asking you to seriously think, what would your best life look like? Do you have kids, a spouse? What's your career? Where do you live? What kind of hobbies and dreams do you have? What would heaven be for you? Now, can I ask you, is that a life that you want? Well, of course you do, because it's heaven. It wouldn't be heaven if you didn't want it, right? Now, you may not know this, but nearly all surveys and research reveal that most people believe there is an afterlife. But here's what I'm going to guess. You probably have not given a lot of realistic adult thought to what heaven is gonna be like. Outside of cartoonish images we get from TV and comic strips and the general idea of heaven being the most intense pleasure factory that you could ever imagine, most of us have not given much detailed thought to it. And most of our conversations around heaven are about who gets in. Is it all people? Only good people? How good is good enough? And since you know that this is a video that came from a Christian church, you probably want to know, do I have to believe in Jesus to get in? And it may feel a little unfair to think that God would make something as trivial as belief in Jesus be the only way to heaven. But more than who gets in, here's what I wonder. Do you even really want heaven? Now, that might sound like a strange question, but it's like that old story about two guys who have this lifelong argument going about whether or not there will be golf in heaven. They love golf, and since they picture heaven as just whatever you want cranked up to 11, they make this deal that whoever dies first will come back and let the other one know if there's golf in heaven. So one of the guys dies, and then he comes back in a dream and says to his friend, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is there's golf in heaven. And the bad news is you have an 8 a.m. tea time tomorrow. Now, that's just a cute story, but it brings up this serious question. Why would it be bad news that you're getting to go to heaven? So throughout this video, we're gonna discuss that. What did Jesus say heaven was like? And is it something that you want? And I think this matters not only for your afterlife, but for your life here and now. Because here at Community Christian Anywhere, we believe that the eternal and abundant life of heaven is available to us here and now. And no matter if or what you think about God, we believe He can't stop thinking about you. He is for you and He only has good things in store for your life. And we want to help you find all that He has in store for you. Hi, my name is Heidi and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. So I want to hit the ground running and jump right into one of the most controversial things Jesus ever said. Here at Community Christian, we believe that Jesus is right about everything. 
And not because he's so smart and ahead of his time, although he is and he was, but because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's the proof that he is the Son of God and that he has authority to speak truth on every part of human existence. And one thing Jesus said about himself has become pretty controversial and even offensive in our culture. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Isn't it arrogant to say your religion is right and other people's religion is wrong? I mean, doesn't believing that lead to intolerance at best and violence against people who disagree with you at worst? And I wanna just say, uh, I get why you might ask those questions because divisions of differing beliefs spiritually, politically, or what seems to be a vast array of other issues is abundant in our day and is an enormous problem. And it's destroying our ability to converse with people who aren't, we aren't sure are willing to engage with us in open discussions. I, I believe that way too often people like me who are charged with leading spiritual communities haven't spoke out clearly enough about the divisive nature of our times. It's awful and it's disastrous. I'll go even further and say that some of the most arrogant, smug, judgmental, exclusive, self-righteous, superior, cranky people that I have ever known have been Christians. Do you know why I can say that? Because I know a lot of Christians and because I am one. And at times, all of that stuff is in me. So I just want to say to all the Christians who are joining in, we want to have this conversation as a spirit of repentance and humility. How we treat people who differ with us on issues of faith, it's really, really, really important. Not because of fear of cancel culture or because of tolerance. I mean, tolerance is a good thing as far as it goes. Problem is, it, it doesn't go far enough. I mean, you can tolerate somebody and not really like them. Followers of Jesus, we are not called to tolerate human beings. We've been called to love everyone always, just as Jesus loved us. Now, I know it may not feel like it, but because I believe that Jesus is love, I believe everything Jesus did and said, including that he's the only way to God, is loving. And if you give me some time, I'd like to help you see why it's loving and why it's so foundational to the Christian faith. So let's break this sentence down, but I wanna start at the end. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. Now, we've already addressed a little bit about why this part is so offensive. We know that no one comes to God means no one gets to go to heaven apart from Jesus. And it feels unfair and it feels really small to say one religion or one person holds exclusive access to God. But remember, the question we need to focus on isn't who gets to heaven, but who wants to go to heaven. And, and here's the clearest thing you need to know about heaven. Heaven is life with God. Heaven is uninterrupted life with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, if I was made to sum up the totality of what the Bible teaches, I'd say it teaches about the with God life. God creates human beings so they could know community with Him. He's with the man and the woman in the garden. Then man rebels, God begins to rebuild his relationship with them from a distance now. So the temple comes, a place where man can have life with God. 
And then we're told that God himself comes. That's Jesus. Uh, one of his names is Emmanuel. It means God with us. All the way through the end, we have the picture of what the afterlife, what heaven will be like. It's described as a city because that was the picture they had a community. John says, Revelation 21, now the dwelling of God is with people and he will live with them. I mean, he's hitting us over the head with it. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Heaven is the eternal with God life. The phrase of eternal life that people throw around like they know what they're talking about. But Jesus is the one that defines what eternal life means. He says, this is eternal life, that they, his followers, you and me, people, may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. This is eternal life. Not some cartoon, I get whatever I want place. This is eternal life, that people might know God, I just know about God. Know him the way that somebody who is in love with someone knows the one they love. This is eternal life. It's knowing God. It's life with God. Heaven is not the home of God. Heaven doesn't contain God. God contains heaven. You see, because we're limited, we try to shrink God down, but God is the biggest thing going. Don't think of heaven as this huge city where in it you can track God down and find him in his office somewhere. When the apostle John saw a vision of heaven, he actually tells us, I did not see a temple because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, Jesus, are the temple. What that means is that God is everywhere because heaven is the with God life. And here's something really important for us to give some real adult thought to but we don't. It's going to be really hard to avoid God in heaven. You just won't be able to do it. We often say around Community Christian, God is always present with you, but you are not always present with Him. And that's because many of us spend our lives avoiding God. But if you don't want to be around God, heaven is not the kind of place that you would want to be. And I think it's important that we think through this. Have you ever done something that you were really ashamed of? I mean, Hide it from everyone ashamed. Go ahead and put that secret, shameful sin, whatever, in the comments right below. Okay, I'm not gonna expect a lot of traffic on that one because that's the nature of shame. You want to hide it. But here's the deal. Everybody watching this has done something that you know you shouldn't. Something that not only violated someone else's rule, you couldn't even keep your own rules. I know this because it's true of me too. But if you're like me, here's what I know. You didn't do that while your mother was watching you, did you? No, because that would take all the fun out of it. Instead, we do those kind of things in the places where we think that no one will know and no one will see. But in heaven, there's no place where God is not. In heaven, there's no place to run for a quick sin. If you enjoy talking about people when they're not around, or if you like being angry at people who don't do what you want them to do, if you don't want to give yourself to selfless love and you just want to focus on you, where are you gonna to go to do that when you are with the Father all the time? See, heaven is a certain kind of community. It is a place where qualities like humility and generosity of spirit, honesty and truthfulness and commitment to others 
are as predictable as gravity is here on earth. Heaven is the kind of community where people who want to sin, if they can get away with it, are going to be miserable. It's going to be like a week-long resort where there's no smoking. If you are deeply, deeply addicted to nicotine, if you don't want to smoke, then that resort would be great. It would be heaven. But if you are addicted, it would be hell. Heaven is the with God life that nothing, not even death, can interrupt. Because when you are with the Father, who is the source of life, then life is eternal. That's what heaven is. But there's a problem. We need a way to get there. And again, this is often misunderstood. We aren't talking about getting a ticket so you can get through a locked gate into a guarded community called heaven. What you and I need is a way to become the kind of people for whom being with the Father eternally would be heaven for us. So how do we become those kind of people? When I was just a little guy and my parents would drag me to church, the only thing that got stuck in my head, whether I liked it or not, were the songs. And there was a song that most of you won't have heard, but it had a line that I didn't understand until much later on when I became a follower of Jesus. The line is a prayer to Jesus and it says, be for sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. See, this sin that we're all addicted to, it needs a double cure. Most people only think about the wrath part. And in our day, the idea that God might be upset with my sin bothers people. But if you'll give me a moment, uh, just of thought, I think I can explain this to you. I, I don't know anyone who's lost someone to cancer that doesn't hate cancer, right? Well, God sees sin as the cancer that's ruining everything he created and everything he loves. And occasionally, when someone else's sin hurts you, you see it too. Sin's what messes up our marriage. It, it ruins our parenting and our ability to love each other. And it's a good thing that God hates sin, but loves me. And the truth is, when I screw up my marriage or I hurt my child, I want to be saved from the wrath I feel toward myself. So I want God to save me. And I'm thankful Jesus came to do that. And often we lock in on that part and think that saving us from our sin was the tough part. But as we walk with God a bit, we learn that I need just as much help from Jesus on the making me pure part, because I'm not always sure I want that. But here's the truth, and we don't look at it sometimes. Sometimes people will say to me about doing daily practices like listening to God in His Word or connecting with other followers of Jesus for encouragement and accountability. A, a practice that most days can be done in a starting point about 10 to 15 minutes a day. People will say, I just dread doing it. I, I'm not sure I want it. I don't think doing life with God should be difficult, that I should dread it. So here's the truth, and we don't want to see it, but it is. If I don't want God and his kind of life now, if it kind of feels oppressive to me now, why in the world would I think that I would want it when I could never, ever, ever get away from it for a second just because I died? I heard it said, 
God will let everybody into heaven who can possibly stand it. Well, of course. The problem is, the person who's sin addicted, I couldn't have stood it. And neither could you. See, in our cartoon way of thinking, we think everybody wants to get to heaven. It's the pleasure factory. And God's keeping people out. What kind of God keeps people from pleasure? The reality is, we don't want heaven, and God's trying to bring people in. If we really wanted heaven, if we wanted the with God life, if that's what we really wanted, earth would look a lot different than it does. Because see, the problem from the beginning was God was offering the with God life, and nobody wants the with God life. We want to avoid pain. We want pleasure. We don't want God. We want the pleasure we think God is holding back from us. And when you have the wrong idea of heaven where, of course, everybody wants in, then the logical question is, is who can get in? How little can you trust God? How far can you get off track and still get in? And though we'd never say it, what we're really asking is, what's the least I have to do? What's the minimal entrance requirement to heaven? But Here's the difficulty with anyone who wants to give a Jesus answer to that question. Where does Jesus ever say, now listen closely, I'm gonna give you the minimal entrance requirement for getting into heaven. He never does. And your question should be, why? If getting us all into heaven was his purpose, knowing the way to get there would be useful information to have, wouldn't it? Well, see, getting into heaven, the with God life, is not the kind of thing you can do while trying to find the minimal entrance requirements. Imagine I'd come to my wife, Becky, 41 years ago, and I'd said, Becky, I wanna know what's the least I can do and still be married to you. What's the lowest level commitment I can have? What's the smallest promise I can make? What's the least amount of faithfulness I can offer? What's the minimal requirement for being your husband? If you know my wife, that'd have been a really short conversation and a relationship because a relationship, a permanent loving relationship, it's not the kind of thing that can be entered into by somebody who is pursuing a minimal requirement. Jesus said he came to seek and to save those who are lost. We are told by one of his followers, John, that God so loved the world, that's all of us that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in Him and put their trust in Him would have eternal life. So what does that mean? What is the way that you do that? So let me say first what Jesus does not say. Jesus doesn't say Christianity is the way or calling Him Lord is the way. In fact, one of the things Jesus said is not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven because we can deceive ourselves into saying things outwardly that aren't really true about us. And it isn't just an inward feeling. Jesus didn't say having some kind of emotional experience was the way. Sometimes we can think that because we get worked up and are emotionally affected by the name of Jesus. It means that we are spiritually or morally deeper than other people. But the truth is, I can feel deeply moved by the need of a starving child, but still live an incredibly selfish life and never do anything to help that child. Emotion does not equate to reality. So what did Jesus say? 
Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus' teachings are the way through which we can know the truth about the kind of father that God is. Jesus' life can become a kind of guide for us to live our lives. His death on the cross could become our death to express the forgiveness of our sins. And His resurrection could become our hope for a new life in Him. His community could become our family. It's not about a religion called Christianity. See, what I need is not a religion. I need somebody who has the power to change my heart. Someone who can save me from my sins and who can make me pure. I need Jesus to change me from the inside out into the kind of person who life with God forever would be heaven to me. So if you're someone who doesn't feel much of anything when it comes to Jesus, you may feel like you're on the outside of all this, which is so ironic because the accounts we have of Jesus says he was especially drawn to people who felt like religion was something they were outside of. And those people, they were drawn to him. Part of being pastor at a church like Community Christian where everyone can come is that I get to have a lot of great conversations. I give you one such email. Ed, I, I don't know why I've been coming to Community Christian. I, I say I don't know why because I don't have a religious bone in my body. I do have a reverence for the kind of mystery of life and I'm thankful for the teachings of peace and love and justice. And I, I wish I could observe them more faithfully every day, but I don't believe Jesus was God or a God. I, I'm not even sure I believe there is a God. If those words strike something in you, here's what I want to say. You may have more of a starting point with Jesus than you think. If you honestly have a sense of reverence for the mystery of life, that's the beginning of what the Bible calls worship. If you truly have an awareness that there's a higher moral standard, peace, love, justice, and regret that you don't live up to that standard, you have the beginnings of what the Bible calls conviction of sin over moral failure. and if you're not just blowing smoke today, I mean, if you seriously believe those things and are sincere in your pursuit of them, then I want to give you a challenge. I want to ask you to say what I call the, I'm going to be open, I'll be open prayer. See, I think the greatest danger human beings face is not an uncertain mind. It's an arrogant heart. This is a place for all of us to start to deal with it. So I'm asking you, just to make this your prayer. I'll be open. I'll look at the mystery of life and at my moral failure. I'll look at it closely with a humble heart. If you're not sure there's a God, you don't have to pray to God, just pray. To whom it may concern, okay? You may find out God's not all that picky about people getting his name right if they seek him with a truly humble heart. Then look at Jesus' teaching. Read one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, about his life. You might want to start with the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, and it's the most influential talk in history given by anyone ever. So if you're listening and you just felt stuck because you think, I don't believe in Jesus' divinity, don't let that get you stuck. Don't let that be an excuse. If you're not ready to be a believer that Jesus was God, you can start by being a student of Jesus. That's actually how it worked for his disciples. 
They didn't start with certainty that he was God. What they actually brought to the table was a sincere commitment to not just listen and study as detached observers, but to actually seek to do what Jesus taught. This was the process by which they came to know him and love him and believe him. You can do that. Wherever you stand on Jesus is God question. Wherever you think about that, you can do that. We'd love to help. That's why we're here at this church, to be a community, to lead people who are unconnected Jesus to come to follow him. Just please text the word next step to the number you see on screen. I'd love to help you figure out your next step with Jesus or with our community. Or go to the website you see on the screen, cccanywhere.com and click on the card that just says, join our Facebook group. You'll be redirected to our community on Facebook where you can just click the join the group button and you can connect with people from all over this country who are learning from Jesus how to be transformed into the kingdom of heaven kind of people. I hope I see you there because I believe if you take a step toward Jesus, at worst, you will learn wisdom from his life from the greatest teacher who ever lived. But at best, you will find God and the with God life that leads to the with God life in heaven forever. How to become the kind of person who actually wants it. And no matter who you are or what you believe about God, this life is possible for you. Because no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you right now and for all eternity.